All right. So as we talked about before, we are moving through these doctrines, um, the Do You Know What You Believe uh, series, and we're just going to cover some things that are very important um, for us all to know. If you would now grab your, uh, turn in your Bibles to Second Peter, Second um, Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. Um, as we as we were looking through this and we're and we're studying through these different doctrines, we talked about sin, and now of course we have to know about salvation because if we don't understand, people who don't know that they're a sinner won't know that they're in need of a savior. But once you are aware that you are a sinner, you now have to be aware of the reasons behind why salvation um, is necessary. Um, salvation is, is necessary because it was given to man because of Adam in the garden, right? Adam died spiritually, but he also began, or he died physically, but he also began to die uh, spiritually. If we look at Second Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2, in verse 20, it says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. All right? And so what's important for us to realize is that everyone began dying spiritually, and man, because he is sinful, is damned to an eternal hell, a devil's hell, as we know, and is in need of an escape. And man is ineligible to escape hell by himself because of uh, the product of sin and so man needs a savior and we know that the plan of redemption was given uh, by Christ as we see or by God excuse me to us in Genesis chapter 15 being that first instance of the gospel where we find out that the he will bruise the head of the serpent and the serpent will, will bruise his heel talking about the battle that will take place but we know that Christ will be victorious so how do we have salvation how does salvation come to how do, how do we get it um, we know that the only way to have salvation or to have or to receive it is to place your complete trust in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, we know that the Bible says in Romans chapter 323 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God um, man must believe that he has uh, man must understand that he has earned a spot in hell because he's a sinner we know that Romans chapter 6, verse 23, says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man must also believe that God loved him anyway. So we have to believe he's a sinner. We believe that the wages of sin was death, but that Christ, uh, that God loved us so much that he sent his son uh, to die on the cross for our sins. And so man must believe that he can know for sure uh, that Jesus Christ is his personal Lord and Savior and must realize that there is only way to receive Christ, and that is by asking him, um, asking the Lord to save him, which we find in Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 13, which says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right, and so sometimes we think about it, and the Romans, the Romans road is sometimes can be kind of seen like it's overused, you know, and maybe, maybe it's too much sometimes, especially when you're talking to someone who maybe doesn't really know much about you know church or about God about the Bible and so to give them a complete breakdown of soteriology you know maybe via the Romans road may go over some people's heads um, but it's very simple um, in understanding uh, that salvation is important 
we're going to talk about some key words um, through the scope of salvation. Um, the first word to know is the word justification. Justification. Justification, by definition, is where God declares the sinner to be righteous and free from the punishment of sin. All right, He declares the sinner righteous and he uh, and they are free from the punishment of sin. You don't have to turn there if you want if you don't want to, but I'm going over to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four. And it says in verse five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him um, that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And so we see that it is important for us to realize that um, God declares a sinner to be righteous and free from the punishment of sin um, through justification. God determines who will receive um, this restitution. Why? Because he's the one that's been sinned against, right? And so he's the one that has to be able to give that to us. And we're so glad that he did that by prescribing to us a method of justification being by the fact that Christ had to be our substitute. He had to be the one that would take the punishment for us. He would have to be the one to to take the cross for us. And we find out that um, we are clothed in the righteousness um, of Christ, as Isaiah puts it for us. So we have justification, right? You can also know justification as just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I've never sinned. And we are able to now stand before God um, holy, not through our own merit, but through the righteousness of Christ. The second part in the scope of salvation is going to be sanctification sanctification so we talked about justification now we're talking about sanctification sanctification is a part of salvation also and you may say how is that a part of salvation when salvation is asking Christ to save you well yes and no what many people what many people fail to realize is that the gospel is a lot more than just a one-time prayer you use the the gospel is you accepting the work that Christ did to die on the cross for your sin and then the same power that was able to grant you salvation is the same power that enables you to live a victorious Christian life. That is what's called your sanctification. Using the gospel um, as your weapon or, or your defense mechanism as you go through this life. We had talked about it before when we were saying uh, just the fact that uh, the power that we were given is what allows us to be able to walk in freedom. Sanctification um, you can define that also as being set apart from the world, but to Christ. Set apart from the world, but to Christ. As you grow in your sanctification, you strive to not, own, to not walk um, after the world, um, but to walk after Christ. To follow that example that we have um, in Him. So with this happening... Um, we have to understand that the Christian life is going to be a continual process and must, we must reject uh, the, sa the, um, the temptation of the world. We must reject the salvation of the world and that's going to, or salvation. We have to reject the temptation um, of the world and of the flesh. And as we are working on being set apart um, in sanctification, uh, we, are we are showing the world that Christ is real through our lives. You may... I don't know if anyone's ever happened to you, but uh, if this has ever happened to you, but someone has maybe said, you know, talked about you or talked or asked about you, and maybe once you told them that you're a Christian, they were like, oh, well, that makes sense. 
You know what I'm saying? Because there's a certain demeanor that kind of comes along uh, with someone who is wholly pursuing the Lord. And that shows the world um, about the work that Christ is doing or, or the Spirit is doing within us uh, through, through Christ. And so what we find out is that the Christian life um, and the salvation of it, that the work was done for us by past, present, um, and future tense. Um, if you would like to, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10 with me. Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 10, it says this, By the which we are, we, uh, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. So we know that in the past, um, it's been done. If you flip over a couple... Um, verses, a couple chapters, to chapter 12, chapter 12, and look at verse 14, uh, follow, go back up a few verses, look at verse 12, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees, and make straight, make the straight pass for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it be, let it rather be healed, follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, so we know that salvation is working um, in the present where we are working on making, uh, following, you know, the holiness um, that we are given, the manifestation of salvation being present to us in our future. And then the reference you can write for the future tense is Ephesians 4.30, which we've quoted a bunch, um, where we said, um, grieve, not the, grieve not the Holy Spirit, uh, whereby you were sealed until the day of redemption. And so we see that salvation in Hebrews 10 tells us about how it was done for us, and it's done once for all. One time, one act that, that transcends time. And then in, in Hebrews 12, we're talking about how we have to walk in these things, walk in these things in our present lives uh, to be able to, uh, you know, work, as we work to work on our salvation and, and those different things. And then Ephesians 4.30, which talks about how our future is sealed which our future is sealed. Um, another word that's important to know is the word adoption. The word adoption. I'm turning over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Adoption is important. We've talked about that before, but we want to make sure that we have some, some things to kind of help us out with that. Um, Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 1. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, uh, dif uh, differeth nothing from a servant, though he, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of the woman, and made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay, and we talked about the importance of the word adoption. A child who is adopted has more legal rights to the parent and the parent's things uh, than the biological children. The, the, a biological child can be disowned, whereas an adopted child cannot, cannot be. And so um, it's important to realize that God uses this principle as adoption to let us know 
that uh, we are to receive in time, right? Because he says the, the child has to sit under tutors and teachers until the appointed time. Well, when the appointed time comes, we will be joint, joint heirs. I mean, we are joint heirs with Christ, but we will receive the fullness and the full benefits um, of all of the things that comes along uh, with being a child of God in time. Being a part of the family of God definitely is something that has its, uh, that has its perks. Um, so we're talking a little bit about why salvation was necessary and, and the means of it, knowing that Christ, God sent his son. And we talked about the scope of salvation, which, uh, which entailed the sanctification and the justification process and, um, and why that's important. We talked about this adoption that we were given through the family of God. And, but what are the results? What are the results of being saved? What, is, what does it matter? What, what, what do we get from it? Of course, the first thing is being able to dwell eternally with the Father in heaven, right? We call it the blessed hope. Um, the moment an individual receives Christ, um, he gets a place in heaven. Remember, Christ told the disciples, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you, uh, that where I am may be also. And it's important for that to, uh, for that to happen. Um, heaven is a place that is very important. Look over at Philippians chapter 3, if you're still over in Galatians. Philippians chapter 3, I want to show you something. Look at verse 20. It says in verse 20 of Philippians chapter 3, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, and it may, uh, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according into the working that whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. And so that's that kind of that glorification uh, that we're given. So of course we are able to... Uh, spend eternity with the Father, uh, but also salvation results, um, of course, in that, in that adoption that we're talking about, being a child of God, and how important it is uh, for us to realize that we get to dwell in a place of glorification, as we were talking about before. A place of where there's no more, you know, no more having to wear glasses, or having to deal with ailments, or different things like that, and all those things will pass away. Um, it's important for us to realize that we become we, we gain a family. We gain brothers and sisters in Christ, which is why we call our, ourselves brothers and sisters, right? We sing that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God, right? You may notice we may say brother and sister around here. Well, that's why. And because we become uh, brothers and sisters um, in Christ. And then we become joint heirs with Christ, as we mentioned uh, before. So there are many blessings to being a part of the family of God, salvation, and having forgiveness of sin, being able to commune with God whenever you need to because there's no curtain there and of course uh, it's important for us to realize that we can have the peace of God so literally literally the results of salvation outside of being able to dwell with God forever in a glorified body are all endless you know we get you get a family uh, a family in Christ you're able to receive um, you know the the Holy Spirit and have him be able to to speak and commune with you to comfort you to guide you you have brothers and sisters in Christ who walk the same life that you walk and so you gain a lot outside of just not just outside of just having your soul you know your soul saved which is which if that was all that'd be enough but we get so much more you get the peace of God and the joy of your salvation and you get 
you get things that come along with you that people out there in the world don't understand. And you may be able to, you have a supernatural power on you as you see that in our weakness, we talked about that earlier, how in our weakness, we have a supernatural strength in the Lord that is able to overcome those things and His grace being sufficient for us. And so, literally, you can spend hours just looking into just the benefits alone of what comes with being a child of God. And that is a huge, huge blessing. Um, the next, the last part of this, which is important, um, is that uh, you find out that people struggle with what's called their assurance or their eternal security. Um, the chief verse I like to use for this passage, of course, um, number one is Ephesians 4.30, which we talked about, which being sealed, grieved out the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. And then we have John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, right? And those things, and that being, um, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they give unto, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. My Father which gave them all, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no, one, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, right? And so we know that we are sealed um, through that. So those are some really big verses. But if, you're, if someone who is struggling with their assurance, here are some things quickly um, that is a proof um, to them, proof of the salvation um, that is there. So some things that you should know. For some, whenever you deal with someone who is struggling with their, with their assurance, here are some things that maybe, if maybe, if, hopefully it's not you, but if it is you, some things that could probably help you, and then something you can use to help others, okay? So proof of salvation, um, number one, is there in a desire to be obedient to God. The desire to be obedient to God and His Word. I'm turning over to 1 John chapter 2. There's a desire to be obedient to God and His Word. 1 John, chapter 2, in verses 3 through 6, it says this, And every man that hath the hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth the sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifest um, to take away our sin, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Okay, and so if you are someone here, so he talks about how, um, especially in verse 5, and ye know that he was manifested uh, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. And so he's talking about when someone who seeks to walk in them, seeks to walk in the Lord and abide in the Lord, they're going to find that they there is no room for sin for them. You understand? As you seek to walk, as you walk in the Lord and someone who is pursuing that obedience, right? They're trying to abide in Him. Why? Because the contrary is walking in sin. And so if a good a good indication that you are saved is that desire to, to abide, uh, to abide in Him. Um, of course, there should be uh, a hunger to grow closer to Him. The Bible says, uh, let me make sure I have the right reference before I tell it to you. But I believe it's Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and yes, and verse 6. Verse 6 
a good indication. So number one, we talked about how it's important for you to realize that uh, the proof of your salvation is found in a, in a desire to be obedient to God and His Word. Second, um, a hunger to grow closer to God. A hunger. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger after righteousness, uh, for he shall be filled. Alright, for they shall be filled. Um, so it's important, uh, hunger and thirst, excuse me. So someone who has that hunger for Christ, that's a good indication. You have a hunger to grow closer to him. You have a hunger. So it's not just a desire at first, uh, but it's deeper than that. It's, man, I want to know more about him. I want to um, get closer uh, to him. Um, another thing that we, can, that we can find, so there's the desire to be obedient to him. Then secondly, there's a, a hunger to grow closer uh, to him. And, you know, doing what you want, what you can to draw closer to him as close as possible. Um, the next thing is developing a love for him. Romans chapter 8. Developing a love for God. Romans chapter 8. What's the proof that you have, your, you have a desire to be obedient to him? You have a desire to... To you hunger and thirst after His Word. You want to get to know Him, get to know Him more, get to know Him better. There's a love for Him. Romans chapter eight. Look at verse five. It says, "For they." It says, "For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness so you have a desire uh, to to develop uh, this love for God um, you also develop a love for his word you develop a love for his word which we were able to cover here just a second ago and of course you develop a love for his people you develop a love for his people but a good indication probably one of the biggest indications I want you to know that may be able to give you that indication that you are um, that you're saved is that inner battle between the spirit and the flesh. You may say, Pastor, how is that going to be something that helps me? Um, how is that going to be something that helps me? Um, it, it helps you because if whenever someone who's not spiritual conscious are not going to struggle with those things. Man, I mean, not being spiritual minded and flesh minded is not the same thing as understanding good and bad. It's not the same thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's further than that. It's, it's trying to do what's right by God versus doing what's right by self. So it could even be two different decisions that may be good decisions, but one of them may not be, one of them may not bring the glory to God like it should, whereas the other one was like, well, it's not a bad thing to do, but it's not going to be able to bring God glory. Do you understand how those two things can, can present themselves? And so we find out that that inner struggle sometimes between just walking right and walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh is a huge indication well, I don't know that I'm saved. Well, how do, why, do, why do you feel that way? Well, because, you know, I just feel like I should read my Bible and stuff like that, but I don't. That's a good indication right there that you are. Because you understand right now, you've recognized that, man, I, 
know I need to and I want to, but I just don't. And what does the Bible let us know? There's a verse for that. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so it's important for us to, to understand that. So a brief synopsis. I know I kind of sped through that. Uh, but, a brief, but a brief synopsis is simply this. Jesus Christ died for every single person. When you get saved, you're justified, which is just as if you've never sinned. After that happens, you work toward being closer to God. And that is called sanctification. After we pass from this life, we enter into something called glorification, which is where we are in our perfected state. No more sin, no more tears, no more crying, none of that stuff. Right? None of that. We're adopted into the family of God, and those who are adopted into the family of God cannot be unadopted. But through salvation, we get things like joy that people don't understand, peace that passes all understanding. You get a relationship with the Heavenly Father. You get the Holy Spirit, which now dwells inside of you. You have brothers and sisters who are walking the same life that you are, glorifying the same life, God that you are, and you're not walking alone. You get all kinds of stuff, access to the Almighty. And so we're talking about why that was important and that there are so many different ways that you can discern if you struggle with your assurance is if you're saved or not is usually it's going to be backed up by hunger for him for his word you know for to to get closer to him like david did he said lord i uh my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is and that same thing that same depiction and then that inner battle that happens sometimes where we don't want to do what we're supposed to do but what does paul say the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Which is a lot of just saying, man, I know what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes I find myself doing what I'm not supposed to do. When I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And it's important to realize that that inner battle is evidence in itself. That, because someone said this before, I think it goes like this. If you can't see the devil in your life, you're probably walking next to him. If you can't see the devil in, act, working in your life, that's because you're probably walking next to him. And so um, that was just a brief kind of overview uh, through, so, through soteriology. And so we will stop there with that one. Yes, ma'am.